you're joining us for the first time. We're in the middle of a series that we call Handle with Care. We're talking about handling the important relationships that God has made us steward of. This weekend and next weekend, I'm specifically talking about love and dating. And uh, I'll say more about that. One text here for us to read. It's a simple text, so let's read it together. Come on, let's read. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Lord, would you just bless the preaching and teaching of your word for those who are here and for those who are listening by other means. In Jesus' name I pray. Shout amen. Amen. Please be seated. This weekend and next weekend, I want to talk about love and dating, but I want to talk about it in a way that it speaks to those who are in high school and college and graduate studies who are thinking about love and dating, for those who are young adults and never been married is thinking about love uh, love and dating, for those of you who have been married and because either you have lost your spouse, your widow, uh, or because of divorce, you are now thinking about re-entering Uh, this scary thing called the dating world. I want to talk to you. And and for those of you who are married, uh, God has something to say to you about taking your relationship to the next level as it relates to love and dating. Tell the person next to you, that means he's talking to you. Tell him. (laughs) You, You fit some of these categories. If you were not here, uh, if, the, if you were not here last week, I encourage you to go pick up the podcast from my website, a video. Uh, we laid a solid foundation for this last weekend, and I'm just going to pick a couple of things up just by way of review. Last week, I told you that uh, one of the things that we have to be mindful of is a hidden assumption that uh, modern day culture kind of builds into our thinking when it comes Uh, especially to dating, and I call it uh, find the right person myth. Everybody shout, find the right person myth. I don't mean that it's a myth for you to believe that you can find the right person. I'm praying to God that you find the right person. The myth that I'm referring to is this, that once I find the right person, when I find the right person, my life will be great. And all my bad habits and insecurities will just vanish. Now, if there are any married people in the house, you know this is crazy, right? (laughs) But those of us who often are dating, we kind of function with this in the background of our minds. And it kind of fuels our imagination. And so here's the thinking. This is going to happen, so I can do anything I want with my life until I find the right person. I can run through people's lives. I can be selfish and self-centered, and, you know, I can get mine and let let you worry about getting yours. All cool, but when I find the right person, when I get ready to settle down, etc., that person is going to be so perfect for me that, that all of a sudden, I'm just going to immediately transform. (laughs) Tell somebody, that's just crazy. (laughs) You are who you are. And you will take yourself into that relationship. So, last week I told you that we should be focused less on finding the right person 
and more on becoming the right person. As a matter of fact, everybody shout becoming. Becoming. It's coming. As a matter of fact, what I said is that we should focus on becoming, uh, becoming the person that the person you are looking for is looking for. Let me give you an example. If you are self-centered, disrespectful, and uncaring of others, but you're looking for someone who is compassionate, respectful, and who cares for others, when you find that person, if they are in their right mind, they will not be looking for you. just won't. So we need to focus on, everybody shout becoming the right person. This is why uh, I have argued the best way to do that is to be a faithful Jesus follower. And, and here's, here's the point with that. Uh, in Matthew uh, 4, 19, we're reminded that when Jesus started calling his disciples, his simple request was, come follow me. And as we follow Jesus, seriously, not only will following Jesus make our lives better, but following Jesus will make us better at life. Because the very essence of Jesus' coming had everything to do with redeeming broken people and broken relationships. So if we take Jesus seriously, uh, he will lead us down a journey that is about redeeming broken people and broken relationships. Now, inside of that, uh, Jesus ministers for three and a half years, and they follow him, they watch him, and then on the night just before his crucifixion, he gives them a paradigm, a relational paradigm, that literally commissions them to take this work of redeeming broken people and broken relationships for them to take it into their own lives and move it forward. Wouldn't it be wonderful if your dating history would ultimately be about redeeming broken people and broken relationships as opposed to breaking people and breaking relationships? Here's the paradigm. We just read it a few moments ago. Jesus says, look, here's how you do it. This will change the world. By the way, if, if the world practices this, our politics would be transformed. Uh, 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 our educational strategies would be transformed. Uh, relationships between countries would be transformed. I mean, this would literally change the world. And it certainly would change how you date and where you are in your marriage. All right. And so here's this. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. So I told you a moment ago that if you're in the dating world, you should be focusing on becoming the right person. By the way, I want to also add, and if you're married, you should be focused on becoming the right, becoming the person that is worth staying for. Everybody shout staying for. So the disciples really didn't understand what this means. Love as I have loved you. Until the next day when Jesus was crucified. When he died and then a few days later he rose from the dead which solidifies that he is who he says that he is. And then they got it. That this notion of love, everybody shout agape, 
that's the word, that's the Greek word behind when he says love. What he's really saying is agape, agape each other. Let's try this out. Now, I'm going to tell you what agape means in a minute. But let's try this. Turn to the person next to you. Just say, I agape you. Yeah. Turn to somebody else. Say, hey, I agape you. All right. See, in the English language, we only have two words for love, uh, which is love and affection. You could throw in compassion and fondness, but they're really kind of off track. Charity is an old word. Uh, the Greek, they had four words for love, and this was the highest love. Now, listen, uh, I've been married for 33 years, but when I was out there 35 years ago trying to date, if I had known then what I know now, I probably would have said something like to a young lady, I probably would say, hey. I got for you, baby. I got for you. <laughs> but I would have been lying. You know why? Because agape, agape love actually means self-sacrificing, other accommodating, freely giving and serving without any strings attached. Take that to the next level in your marriage. Make that the process by which you begin to date and the lens through which you assess who you're looking for. Now, the Apostle Paul, and share the connection between Apostle Paul and the Gospels that record Jesus' life. It's simply this. The Apostle Paul, who writes 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're about to look at now, takes this principle... Love others as I have loved you. And when he says you should do this or you should do that, what he's really trying to do is to take that love principle, that agape love, and show you how to apply it. Everybody shout, apply it in your everyday relationships. And if you apply it in your relationships, God is able to heal broken relationships and transform broken people beginning with you. So, I want you to ask yourself one of two questions of both if they apply. If you're not married and you're dating and thinking about dating, as I proceed with the rest of this teaching, I want you to ask yourself uh, this question. Perhaps there is someone that you're dealing with. Am I falling in love with the right person? How do I know? And if you're married or in some other category, all of us should be asking this question. Am I becoming, even if you're 73 years old, am I becoming the right person? Hmm? Say it with me. Say, point to yourself. Say, am I becoming the right person? <laughs> and if so... How do I know? Paul lays out what agape love looks like in the details of life in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The first three verses, he essentially says, you can be a spiritual hero. You can be a relational giant. You can give your body to be burned, but if at the end of the day you have no agape love, it has accomplished for you nothing. And he defines, he says, agape love 
begins with this. Love is, everybody shout patient. The Greek behind the word patient is suffers long. So if you read this in the King James Version, it says love suffers long. What it means by this is that agape love inside of a relationship, it's tenacious. It, 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 it tends not to quit, not to give up. We experience agape love in God when he declares, I have loved you with an everlasting love and that, and that I, I have attached my love to you and that, and that I'm not letting you go. Shout patience. We experience it in Jesus when the writer in 1 Peter says that the Lord is not slack on his promises as some people count slackness, but he is long-suffering, not wanting any of us to be destroyed. Tenacity won't quit. If you're dating, you need to be positioning yourself to find out, is this person a quitter? And you need to be asking yourself the same question. Am I a quitter? Why? Let me explain to you. When I got married, I wish you guys could have been. It was a beautiful ceremony. <laughs> 700 people, New Liberation Presbyterian Church. And when this, the service was over, you know, great food. And, you know, I pulled the thing off of Rhonda's leg and threw it and all that stuff. And we had great gifts and all that. The next morning, my beloved wife awakened and looked at me. This is the truth. She said, what have I done? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> she said, I thinking <laughs> and she was serious y'all which made me start thinking like oh my goodness who have I married <laughs> but 33 years later we are here because she has a gift of agape love, patience, long-suffering, tenacity, refuse to quit and give up. You need that if you're going to win in lasting relationships. You need that type of agape love. Now, the fact of the matter is she had reason to say that because I was a piece of work. But the one thing I know about you is, so are you. <laughs> I know this because the Bible reminds all of us that we're all sinners. We're all works in progress, right? And, 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 and that's part of what drives the death and resurrection of Jesus to drive a supernatural redemption work in our lives. Therefore, listen to this, love that really works is actually love that really works. You have to work at it and work at it and work at it. You need someone who knows love is patient. There's another dimension of this word patient. 
It means to be patient means that you do not pressure. You do not force. You do not. I had one of my uh, seniors a few moments ago told me, says, now, you, you got to talk to me. Uh, I'm in my 60s and I want to get back out there in the dating world. What, what, what do you have to say to me? Here's what I have to say to you. You meet somebody and they pressure you. Keep going. Because <laughs> love doesn't control. Love doesn't pressure. Love doesn't manipulate. Right? Secondly, it says, agape love. Come on, everybody shout. I agape you. That means that I'm learning how to be self-sacrificing and other accommodating. Come on, I, I'm learning how to freely give and serve with no strings attached. Agape love, Paul says to those of us who are married and dating. Love is kind. Everybody shout kind. Wow. I mean, you know what kindness is, don't you? Of course you do. You know it when you see it. I mean, the person who's sitting on the bus or the BART, and you see an elderly person standing, and you get up and give them your seat, that's kindness. Right? You, you know it when you see it. The, the friend who takes off work all day so that he or she can go with their friend to the doctor as they set through a, a, a cancer treatment, that's kind. The person who's standing in line and you have a full basket and behind you is a person with one uh, gallon of milk and behind him is a person with two pieces of candy. And you look at them and you say, look, you two, y'all come in front of me. That's kind. And what I tell my daughter and my son is that when you're out there dating, you want to assess whether somebody is truly kind. Right, because we know how to dress up like we kind. <laughs> Look at me, I'm, I'm kind. <laughs> Open this, pull a chair for you, I'm kind. Uh, expect him or her to be on their best behavior. So don't necessarily, look, if they're not treating you kind, then I don't have to tell you anything. Right, you just keep going. But I'm assuming they, they, they have enough sense to pretend. <laughs> so you got to figure it out, right? So here's what you do. Don't watch them. Watch how they treat others. Watch how they treat the waiter and the waitress that waits on you when they take you out to dinner. Come on now. Watch when you're driving in the car and somebody signals, can I get over? Do they? <laughs> Watch as y'all walking down the street together and some homeless person uh, uh, puts out a hand and asks for help. Uh, it's not just a question of whether or not they help the person. It's what kind of attitude do they have? Do they feel robbed and insulted and offended? Shout kindness. Listen to the stories they tell about their relationship with their parents. Do you hear servanthood at work? Shout kindness. And while you're listening for them, are you kind? 
Now, at the heart of this teaching, and I'm just going to put this here, is really the word humility. Everybody shout humility. humility. At the end of the day, if I had to say there's one thing on your list, uh, at the very top of your list should be somebody who's humble, right? Uh, uh, and, and, and inside of this humility, let me just take a side track here. Uh, I knew, I, was, I had to fly to the East Coast this week. So I knew that when Valentine's Day came, I wouldn't be here. That I would be in the air trying to get back. So being married for 33 years, I have a little wisdom. <laughs> On Tuesday, I took care of business making sure that my wife had some flowers. Come on now. I was, I was on the phone for about 15, 20 minutes with the florist. This color, not this color, this color, this, that. Finally, I decided on 30 white roses and three red ones, because we've been married for 33 years, y'all. Come on now. And the truth be told, I needed to do that because the girl is worth that kind of consideration. Being kind is about being considerate. That's it. Yeah, go ahead, celebrate. Brothers, pay attention, brothers. So anyway, when these flowers were arrived, Rhonda says that the, all the, the doctors and nurses, the, the, girl, the ladies came around her and they were ooing and aahing and out of the, what a great husband. And so, <laughs> what Rhonda told them, listen, listen. Rhonda said she told them, listen, when I met my husband, he had a lot of girls around him, but they weren't dating him because they saw him as their friend, their little brother, and they looking for something else. And she said, I was happy about that because I saw in him what I was looking for. And you see these flowers. All right. Now, she says that when she told them that, the contours of their face shifted. Because immediately, see, everybody shout, my list. See, all of you, if you're dating, you ought to have a list. You ought to say, here's what I'm looking for, whether you're 20 or 70. Here's what I'm looking for. And the list only have two categories. My need to have and my nice to have. All right? All right, ever stop. My need to have. Don't get the two confused. Because some of y'all are looking for, look, you guys you're looking for, when I was out there, used to be a song called Brick House. I'm talking about what we guys look for. She's a brick house. She's mighty, mighty. Let it all hang out. 36, 24, 36. Come on, I'm talking about what's on somebody's list. <laughs> come on, come on. And I used to love this line. It just said, 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 it said, makes an old man wish for younger days. Now, let me edit. Here's what it should have said. Makes a dirty old man wish for younger days. <laughs> What's on your list? Some of you know what's on the list. He's got to be tall. 
Got to have muscles. Got to have this kind of salary. Got to have a car that looks like that. Come on now. Got to have some charisma. We have to have, as some of you say, chemistry. <laughs> That's why you're in the trouble you're in now. <laughs> the need to have should be a, the, the agape characteristics. Love is patient. Love is kind. Come on now. At the heart of it, come on. There ought to be humility. Everybody sound humility. Humility, humility, humility. The, the, the nice they have is the high, tall, brick stuff. All right. So you got your list. Everybody shout list. Okay. Uh, so, so love and humility works together. And and, uh, uh, excuse me, kindness and humility works together. Kindness is about being considerate. Husbands and wives, I won't say that because it's going to hurt her. I don't want to do that because it's going to pain him. But kindness is also about blessing the other with no strings. You just get joy from blessing the other. Friday night, Ron and I went to have our Valentine's dinner. We walked 10, 15 minutes down, arm in arm, down to the restaurant. It's good when you can do that when you're 33 years of marriage. Walked in, table opened up immediately when we walked in. God's grace. Sit down, had a great meal. Bill, somebody put it on the table. I'm about to reach for my wallet. The guy, two tables over, came, said, Excuse me, are you Pastor Herman? And I said, yes. He says, oh, my goodness. He said, well, I come, I've been to your church, this and that, and I introduced him to Rhonda, so forth and so on. We talked, and, and, and we went over, I went over to the table and met his wife. He said, really, why I came over is because I'm going to pay for y'all dinner tonight. He took the bill. At the end of the day, you see what y'all just did? Ah. Uh. <laughs> That's what you want your husband to do. That's what you want your wife to do. Because you learn how to, to bless, you just get a joy out of blessing the other, being kind, but also being humble. Everybody shout humble. humble. Humility. Two things happen when you're humble. One, when you're humble, uh, you're teachable. One of the reasons why Rhonda would say to, to you today, I've been married to him 33 years, I'm not letting him go. Why? Because it took me 33 years to train him. <laughs> My word, teach. And I'm glad, right? Because I'm a better human being. By the way, the way to become a better spouse is to become a better human being. The way to become a better person to date is to become a better human being, which ultimately, in my case, means being a better Jesus follower, right? So, so, so you've got to be teachable. And, and humility means you're honest. You're honest. You're saying, you know, I, I don't know how to do X, Y, and Z. Can you, can you, can you coach me? Uh, 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 here's a question. Write this question down. Central question for those of you who want to accelerate in being humble and kind. Here it is. Write it down. Ask the person who is your significant other or who you're dating and married to, whoever, ask them this. What is one thing that I can do to bring you great joy? One thing that I can do 
Before the day over, ask that question to bring you great joy. One person may say, uh, I want more affection. You say, well, I, I, I don't know. I do that. I didn't grow up in that context. You know, I'm just being honest. Can you, can you coach me? Can you show me? And, and the person will probably say, well, sure. Let's just start by holding hands in public. Okay. Another person might say, well, I want you to watch baseball games with me because I love baseball games. And, and your response may be, well, I don't like baseball. It's boring. Right. However, if it's going to bring you great joy, I'm not going to watch all the games with you. But once a week, I'll watch a game. So what I need you to do, we're going to get the popcorn and all that. And you teach me the game. I'm teachable. Teachable. Shout teachable. Humility is the ability to be teachable and to admit when you've messed up. All right. Now, then Paul talks about as we wrap this up. Uh, oh, let me just illustrate this in Scripture. Jesus was humble. In Philippians uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 8, it says about Jesus. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself for you and for me. And becoming obedient to death, even the death of the cross. If Jesus can humble himself, why can't you? Shout, humility. All right, now put that there because Paul then talks about here's the things that love is not. Agape love does not do these things. What? Number one, agape love is not envious. I put in parenthesis jealousy. It's a slice. It's not completely jealous, but it's a part of the dimension of jealousy. Uh, uh, let me explain to you. You have a Tesla. And if I say to you, I like your Tesla, and I want a Tesla just like yours, that's not envious. You've inspired me. <laughs> if I say to you, I like your Tesla, and I want your Tesla, <laughs> nobody else is yours, that's envious. All right, let me put it where you can get it. If you say to somebody, I like your spouse, and I want one just like that one, that's not envious. You've been inspired. If you say in your heart, I like that person's spouse, I want that spouse, that's envious. It's not agape love. Don't confuse it. He says, love is not uh, boastful. You know what boastfulness is? It, it, it mean, I put it in parentheses. It's the person who has to be at the head of the parade. It's got to be the spotlight person, right? Uh, uh, and then it says, uh, 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 this, you, you see how this is the flip side of humility? And then it says, and, 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 and love uh, is not proud, which means... Uh, yeah, it's not puffed up. Think of a balloon that's, that's, that's puffed up with air. Now think of, of the person who's puffed up with themselves. Right? What does that look like? Let me give you an example of what it looks like to be dating somebody who's puffed up with themselves. To take you out, male or female. You sit down at the table. You start to talk. Actually, you start, and about three seconds, they start. For the next 20 minutes, they're talking. They've not paused to ask you anything. 
puffed up. <laughs> Head of the parade. All right. Then they stop. The meal comes. And then they say, well, tell me about yourself. You proceed. 30 seconds. They disrupt, interrupt. The next 30 minutes, they still talking about themselves. When you finish that meal, change your phone number. Because agape love is about self-sacrificing, other accommodating. You see what I'm saying? You see the lens? Somebody say amen, you get it. I know I'm talking about you, it's okay, this is growth time. So, uh, so here's a question to ask yourself inside of this. How do I react when people who are close to me experience success? How do you react? Let me give you three options about agape love inside of this. One, do you shine the light on them? Do you step off and say, can you do this publicly with your wife or your husband? You can actually brag on them and celebrate them publicly and never bring up anything about your accomplishment. It's all about them. Your kids, it's all about them. The girl you're dating, it's all about her. The guy, it's all about him. Can you do that? If not, you have an issue. It's a you issue. Or do you pour water on them? When they hear, when you hear, your boy, you know, your husband, this, your girlfriend, boy, she's this, and you come back with, well, you just don't know the full story. <laughs> I don't want to know the full story. I'm talking about this right now, I'm celebrating. And the problem is, you are so concentrated on all of the negatives that you cannot see the long list of positives. It's a you problem. Or do you steal the spotlight? In other words, they're celebrating and you interject yourself and say, well, that reminds me back when I was in college. And you go on for the next 30 minutes talking. I don't want to know about when you were in college. This is not about you. I see you problem. You want to date better. You want to move to the next level of marriage. Work on that you problem. All right, how, how, how do I do that? Here's the last piece. He says, love does not dishonor. Shout dishonor. It does not dishonor others. What does that mean? But listen. It means that love always honors the other person. Now, you do know how to do this. I'm going to prove it. Think of your favorite celebrity. And if they came and invited you to dinner, think of how you would treat them. And while you're thinking about that, hear what Paul writes in, in Philippians uh, 2 and 3. Listen to what he says here in, in 2 and 3. He's, he, says, he says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. But here's that word. Everybody shout, be humble. Watch this. Thinking, another translation, considering, another translation, value others as better than yourself. Now, what does that mean? Well, we said, well, I don't, I don't know. How, how does that look? Well, see, when Jesus died on the cross, he valued you 
above himself. Now, my favorite celebrity is Steph Curry. Now, I'm going to tell you what I would do. If Steph invited me to come to dinner, I'm going to show up an hour early. (laughs) And if Steph is an hour late, I am not going to go off on it. I'm not going to say, Steph, what's up with you, man? I've been sitting here all this hour waiting on you. Who do you think you are? Do you not know who I am? I'm the pastor of NBCC. You got me waiting here. (laughs) Are you kidding me? I'm going to say, Steph, he's going to say, I'm sorry. I said, no apology needed. (laughs) All right, I hear what you're trying to say. Some of you say, but the person that I'm linked up to does not deserve to be honored like that. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you deserve for Jesus to have died for you? So at the end of the day, it's not about what they deserve. It ought to be about who you are. If you're honorable, you treat people with honor. And with that, we say amen. Amen. Come on, give God a hand praise.